MCs and OC. Y'all know what it is. Welcome to the breakdown. This is where the game found analytics first down. And a few inches, your players on the benches. The coaches start to huddle when you need a thirst quencher. Oh, see, throwing hands, one a million in the squad. Lorenzo hit the league, 15 years on the job. Made the Pro Bowl twice. Your boy go nice, Zachariah on the fadeaway. Represent the day to day, struggle and the grind. Keep that hustle on your mind. We ballin' on the court, read the signs of our times, whether cultural or politic. Chopping up the lotto pit, get it poppin', partner when we weaving in and out of it. It's on topic and sing, tell you what we think. Let the thoughts link, let the truth sing. Yeah, yeah, let the thoughts link. Yeah, yeah, let the truth sing. Welcome to the breakdown. This is where the game found analytics first. Two Z's and OC. Welcome to the breakdown. This is where the game found analytics first down. All right, that should be good. My audio was so bad in Michigan because I was just going off the computer. Yeah. Are you doing the same thing? No, I got the Yeti mic. Where is it? Right here. Oh. You can be that far away from it? Well, no, I don't leave it that far. I put it right here when we're doing the cast. Oh, I got you. I never see it, though, when we're recording. Yeah, because it looks stupid to be like... <laughs> well, you don't have to do that, but look, I got mine right here. They're unidirectional mics. As long as you're talking at it, it's fine. Got you. You need to get one of those. This is from my old school rapping days. Where's Zoe at? Did he text? No. He's only got 45 minutes as it is. Yeah. How you living, man? You back in the Pac-12 swinging things? Cal got their ass whooped. What happened there? Bro, they didn't get to practice for like two weeks. I know. Such a shit show. How many total Pac-12 games have been canceled? Four. And they've played how many? Oh, sorry, sorry, three, because Cal UCLA was uh, like an alternative game. So only three have actually been canceled. And Utah's had two of them. Damn. So how many games have been played? 13. No, 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 no. Six games a week, and they missed three, so only nine games. So nine out of 12 games have been played. Yeah. And Utah hasn't played at all. Utah hasn't played at all. Washington's played once. Cal has played once. Arizona State has played once. Perm got it, right? The whole team got it. They already canceled this week's game. (laughs) Oh, man. So what's going to happen? Do you want to get into it on the cast? We can, yeah. Okay. We'll save it for that then. The hell is Zoe? We could just do this by ourselves if he can't make it. Give him another minute or two. He's probably just bailing because sounds like he's trying to thread the needle. Yeah. My sister-in-law, because I went to Miami, got back, then went to Michigan. I mean, it's spiking all over the United States, but those two states in particular. And I'm not letting her keep me from my babies on Thanksgiving. And so she's sending me all this information of where you can do testing. Like, all right, I'll go get tested. I'm going to wait a week probably. Thanksgiving is what? Not this Thursday. Yeah, it's a week from Thursday. So I would have been home for two weeks. They're shutting everything back down in Cali now. Saw oh, that. Sucks. And the president will not say that he lost. So he's like not helping the transition of what Biden needs to do. Apparently they have a vaccine. It's, it went from 90% to 95% now. 
and they're expecting it, it to be 100% soon. So get the damn vaccines out. Well, there's two of them. Yeah, one's 90 and one's 95, right? Vixer, Flexer or some shit is 90, and then the other one's now 95? Yeah. So drop them out of the airplanes. Give them to everybody. Throw them out. You know what I'm saying? Like a paper route. Just have everybody, just have a guy riding around on his bike throwing out vaccines on your doorstep. Yeah, but the problem is that this is going to make it even crazier. Like, people are not going to want to take it. They think oh, I know. I already know people that are paranoid in their life. They don't even want to get tested, let alone take the vaccine, because they think that the government's going to put, like, a, a microchip in it or something. Yeah. Dude, Art, so we have gone, you know how, like, there's always too much of a good thing? No matter how, how much you love something, if you have too much of it, it ends up being a bad thing. You know what I'm talking about? Like, every good thing is that way. I mean, I mean, I know that every good thing is usually bad for you, but like too much sex isn't a bad thing. Too much. Uh, uh, I mean, like too many sunsets isn't a bad thing. Okay. So maybe not every, every, everything, but you know, most things it's just like, like even too much exercise is bad, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oversaturated. Like, America has too much freedom. We have too much freedom. We're so free that we don't have to like listen to anything, care what other people think. It's Rely my right. Science. Yeah, yeah. We got, we have too much freedom. There's too much flexibility with how you can live your life here. So that when the, for example, the state of Utah is like, all right, we're going to shut back down. People are just like, no, we're not. <laughs> and then the government has to be like, well, yeah, we are. And people are just like, no, nah, we're not. <laughs> I know. I know. In Michigan, uh, in Michigan and Florida, like in Cali, especially in the Bay Area around Berkeley, I mean, okay, you have California, you have the Bay Area, and then you have Berkeley. And yeah. so, like, masks are everywhere. Like, I mean, I consider myself to be somebody that really errs on the side of caution. And even I get yelled at by people, like, in the bank or a restaurant. If I take it down for even a second, they'll be like, put your mask back on. And Florida and Michigan, they, like, look at you funny if you – it's the opposite. They look at you funny if you have the mask on. Yeah. They're like, why, why are you wearing a mask? It's like, uh, I don't know, safety, I guess. It's not a big deal. It's almost like a – it's like an American flag to not have your mask on. Yeah, you know? I know. How's everything with you? How's Fats? Dude, she's so awesome. Yeah. She's just she do- she doing anything yet? What do you mean? She does everything. No, but I mean like crawling, walking, talking. Like how close are you to any of that stuff? Bro, she walks and talks a lot. What? How old is she? She's 18 months old. Oh, you do all that then? I thought that was early. I thought stuff started around two. You're not going to tell me she's potty trained, are you? No, but she had this. Yeah, did you celebrate? I got, I got her one of those little little kid potties, and before I put her in the bath, I make her sit down on it, and she peed in the potty twice. But Nice. She's not, like, full-blown talking. She could talk in little sentences. Like, she can communicate? Like, can she say, Daddy, I'm hungry or something? Or, Daddy, I want this, or I want that? Yes. yes. Wow. Is that not advanced, or am I tripping? I mean, I'm not a parent, so I don't know. It, it, am I tripping? Like she's she's a little ahead of the curve, but like girls always are, you know. Little boys usually take longer gotcha. to start communicating like that. But she's like she's definitely smarter than average when it comes to like talking, especially. But I mean, she's not like a freak. She's walking like full blown. Oh yeah, no stumbling, rumbling, bumbling. Did you have to like baby proof the house and all that? We didn't actually do that much to baby proof the house because like. I mean, we should have put in a baby gate, but she like was naturally kind of scared of the, going to the top of the stairs anyway. Oh, uh, that's good. 
I'll send you this video. You can see how funny she is. She's just like, she's nuts. Bro, what's the deal with your lady? What do you mean? You guys still going strong? <laughs> yep. Wow. I know. Don't do it, bro. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they all say. Here's the thing, though. You gush like putty when you talk about your kid, and I want kids. So you can't have kids without the wife. I wish there was a system where it was like acceptable you know what i mean <laughs> me and you you know what we should have done you should have moved to cali we could have just like fixed up this whole house we could have lived together as single bachelors and we could have raised two sons together in the house as a straight single couple so to speak <laughs> no i the thing is like because it's important to have both i really believe that Rowan loves me but like there's sometimes where she just wants her mom you know yeah 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 and I think that's good. I think that's healthy. I think that's normal. But I just like, if there was a way to where it was just like, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're roommates. So we're both always here. <laughs> yeah. It's like, there are, oh, see, one of my good friends, he ended up being like a famous poet that would go do spoken word and stuff like that. He didn't find out until he was 18, but his mom was a lesbian and his dad was gay and they pretended to be a family. For both him and his brother, they were both biologically theirs. He didn't find out until he was 18 that they were both gay because they were gay, but they wanted kids. So they had their separate relationships and kept it separate for their kids until they turned 18. So there are situations like that, but yeah. yeah What's well, up, so Welcome to the conversation. What's up? What's up? When you're not around, this is what we talk about. Ways to have kids but not be married. Yeah. yeah it's crazy, man. You know, the mind of Zachariah. I know you're the one who opened and found that story. No, no, OC actually started, I think. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. We were just talking about how it's great to be a father all the time, but maybe not necessarily great to be a husband all the time. I don't know about either, but we were just trying to figure out ways to uh, go around the system. You know what I mean? But I know that you're straight-laced, man of faith, proud husband and father. So, uh, yeah. What well, does I mean that I don't have issues? I mean, you say that like I'm just immune, I'm perfect, and my relationships are perfect. I mean, well, kind we are of. human beings. I hear you. I hear well, you. you just got to have the right intent mindset, man. You got to be more mature than your flesh to go try to divvy and dally and some other stuff when you <laughs> and your, your significant other ain't on the, on the same page. And so that's what real manhood is. Anybody can go do whatever they want to, but can you resist that temptation? So that's the big difference between being a boy and being a man. Yeah, I hear you. My you young fellas out there. Yeah. My lady's always referencing you and how you're a man of faith and such a good husband and father. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Anyways, hey, uh, hey, I can lead you to the water. I can't make you drink it. So <laughs> I can <continue> to try. <laughs> well, okay. I, I, well, I'll get there soon enough. Hopefully we'll be doing this podcast uh, when I am have kids. But welcome on into the program. That's how we started. It is two Z's and OC. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at that handle at the number two Z-S-A-N-D-O-C. That would be. The two Z's would be Zachariah, that would be me, at Zach Sports, Z-A-K Sports, and then Lorenzo Alexander, he is at One Man Gang 97 and then the OC is the champ, I like to call him chump, Sean O'Connell, you can follow him, at Real OC Sports. What's going on, gentlemen? You know, uh, we're, good, we're another week deep in the football season, and life is good. All right, sounds good. Well, I yeah, want to well, get... It must be the NFL season, not the college season, because college ain't playing no games. <laughs> it's crazy. 
We're gonna get to, we're gonna get to that in a second, and we'll get to the NFL as well. But OC just sent me a picture of his beautiful daughter, who he allows me to call Fats because she's got some chubby cheeks. And what I'm noticing, not only has she slimmed down, OC, what's going on with the hair? She yeah. all of a sudden she all of a sudden grew like grown woman hair since the last time you sent me a pic. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they change very quickly at this age. She's 18 months old, and the last time you probably saw her, she was a year old. So that that's an eternity in baby years, you know what I mean? <laughs> she looks like a golden girl now. Yeah, she's got this wild, like, curly, blonde hair. It's pretty, it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, all right, gentlemen. Well, Lorenzo touched on it, and he's wearing his cow gear. Uh, I love the blue and gold deeply, so it makes me smile, but they got their – Butts whooped by UCLA, and the Pac-12 in general tried to kick off, obviously, a delayed start. They didn't go at the same path as other conferences, the SEC and the ACC and all that stuff. And we have a guy who works for the Pac-12 network, does a show for them. So, OC, just give us a brief for the people that are trying to keep up. Cal played on Sunday at 9 a.m.? What the hell's going on? What the hell's going on with football? You said there was supposed to be... 12 total games played and nine were, so three cancellations? Yeah, so week one, there were two cancellations. Week two, there were about to be two cancellations, but then uh, Arizona State was not able to play against Cal. UCLA needed an opponent because Utah wasn't able to play, so instead, (laughs) Cal and UCLA, on two days' notice, decided to play one another on a Sunday morning with that 9 a.m. Pacific time kickoff, as you mentioned. So just a lot of moving parts going on right now with the whole coronavirus mess in Pac-12 football. And the conference, to its credit, gets a lot of heat, but they've they've done a good job in these last couple weeks trying to be flexible. Unfortunately, it didn't work out very well for Cal because how are you supposed to be a successful team when you're not allowed really to practice full go for two weeks before your first game? Uh, and you're getting, you know, you're getting guys back one and two and five at a time as they come out of quarantine. And that's just kind of the environment that the Pac-12 is in. Their testing and their quarantine procedures are a lot more strict than anywhere else in the country because of the local governments and because of, you know, the political leanings and all that kind of stuff. And because the Pac-12 is trying to be more cautious. So because of that and the late start, no wiggle room, which means there's going to be probably a Pac-12 champion this year that's got four or five games under their belt, which is crazy to think about. Man, and to your point, OC, I was actually, you know, the Bills played here in Arizona this week, and so I was actually able to see a couple of people. I had to go pick up some face masks, Bills face masks. And my guy, Joe Shane, he does the college recruiting, and he was telling me that, you know, he was at an Ole Miss game, got his mask on and everything, and they was looking at him crazy, like, what you doing down here in the SEC with your, with your mask on, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I was just talking to OC. California is one thing. Northern California is another thing. The Bay Area is another thing. And Berkeley is a whole nother thing. So masks are like, I consider myself to be somebody that is very cautious. And I even get yelled at because, you know, to like put it on times where I slip up, put it down for a second or whatever. When I went to Florida and Michigan, it's the opposite. You get looked at crazy if you're wearing it, not if you're not wearing it. So I know exactly right. what you're talking about. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I mean, just walking around. I mean, even here in Arizona, it's probably it's, it's more of a purple state now because you got a lot of people from California. But you just got some people who don't care about it and, and some people that are on the other end that, you know, just everywhere you go and you get yelled at. So it's just crazy that because we don't have no real, 
standard that uh, everybody's kind of making up their own mind and going their own way. But it's crazy how it's happening in football, too. So the the best way to illustrate what Cal especially is dealing with versus what some teams in the rest of the country are dealing with. So Clemson, right, their starting quarterback, projected number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, he got COVID. He tested positive for COVID, right? They kept him out. They quarantined him away from the team. Nobody else on that Clemson team had to stay away. So the assertion from Clemson and the policies that they operate under I mean there's no contact tracing. There's no quarantining the other quarterbacks in the room. So his backup was able to play, right? You didn't have to worry about his contact with the offensive line or the receivers or the running backs. Conversely, when Cal had to cancel their first game of the season, they had one guy test positive on the whole team. One guy tested positive. And because he was in contact with his whole position group and those guys were in contact with other people, that canceled the whole game for Cal. So we're just talking about completely different policies and approaches yeah. <laughs> in Division One football. And that's unfortunately – And Trevor Lawrence was on the sideline. Trevor Lawrence didn't play. The next, the next game was standing on the sideline with a mask on, just <laughs> that one. And again, they were just like, "Well, you're not contagious ten days after you get it." And it was like, "Okay, but we just found out he tested positive seven days ago." Yeah, and and also, then why wouldn't he be playing? I mean, the whole thing, right. is, the, the whole thing is becoming an SNL skit. Honestly, like when I see these headlines and these commentators, and I feel bad for like Reese Davis and Hubie. It's like these guys are trying to break this down. They're all trying to think positively. Obviously, we all want football, but OC, I did want to ask you. I'm going to ask you every week. I asked you this last week. I'm going to ask you again. What the hell? is the committee going to do? So you have the Ducks right now at 11th overall, 11th yeah. in the country at 2-0. Who knows how many games they're going to play? How, who knows if they, if they have a game against Utah or Berkeley or somebody test positive, if games gets canceled. And then you have the Trojans, I mean, two lucky-ass wins, but they're the other ranked team in the Pac-12 at 20. But yeah. what is the committee going to do? I mean, I, I know you don't have the answer, but I'm going to ask you every week if – Oregon goes undefeated, and let's say it's only seven games or six games or whatever. How are they going to handle that in terms of another team who's played more games and maybe a harder schedule that has one loss? I mean, I just don't know how they're going to figure this out. Somebody's going to be pissed off. Well, the Pac-12, even an undefeated champion, because of the way things are going, the Pac-12 is not going to be involved in the college football playoff. And, and really? Like, think about it, right? You Let's say Oregon – and or USC, it's one of those two teams, and they end up at six and zero. Or even you know, if they play every single game, it would be seven and zero. Well, you're still talking about Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama. You know, Texas A&M looks pretty good. Florida looks pretty good. You got Cincinnati and BYU that are both playing a lot more games. They're not playing as you know as high profile opponents, but they're playing more games. And the Pac-12. Unfortunately, they've been in a situation the last half decade plus, almost 10 years now, where they're just not considered to be a powerhouse. And if you only have two ranked teams in the conference all year, which Colorado's making a case, they'll probably be in the top 25 if they win this week. But, but the point stands that you were late to the party. I mean, we're in week 11 of college football season, and the Pac-12 has teams with 1-1 one and 2-0 one and and oh records. In week 11 of the football season. So I think the committee is going to be like, hey, if you wanted to be part of this, you should have started a lot earlier. 
Yeah. I mean, but how frustrating would that be, Zoe? You go undefeated no matter how many games you play. You go undefeated and you can't get into the playoff. You're not going to get in. I mean, as a Pac-12 team. So, I mean, you just chalk that up. I don't even have that expectation <laughs> on my radar right now. You just don't. I mean, yeah. Oregon doesn't lose a game. And they're 11 right now, Zoe. Oregon does not lose a game. And you think that it's fair that they don't get in? Yeah, with four or five wins, if they play that many, I mean, yeah, I think it's fair. I mean, it was going to be hard enough for them to get in if they go undefeated and have, you know, a 7-0 and record, right? It was still like, okay, that's what you got to do to, just to maybe make a bid to get in. Now you're going to play four games. And so a team that plays maybe, let's say, I don't know what other teams are playing. Let's say somebody else plays eight. And they go 7-1 and one, and they lose to, I don't know, Notre Dame or Clemson or a team like that. So I'm going to take an undefeated team that's played four games, 4-0, versus a down pack 12 over a team that went 7-1 and one and then lost to a contender. To me, I can't be upset about that. I mean, as a kid, I would be, but you have to tell your kids, hey, we're going to do our best, but these are the situations. So don't set them up to be let down. Yeah, I got you. I mean, fair enough. It just obviously everything's weird. I just think it's bringing me back to my childhood days when there was just rankings so you won the national championship if you were number one at the end of the year and a lot of times a lot of times it didn't seem fair and it's just going to seem like it's not really fair in terms of determining who the actual champion is but let's move on to the nfl real quick on that though real quick before we move to nfl you know and i'm a little scarred so i'm not even worried about what's fair to them i mean we were 10 and 1 and only lost to the eventual national champions and i didn't get to play in a bowl game or the bowl game I wanted to play. And we didn't go to the Rose Bowl. Back in 2004, when we were number five in the country. So I don't want to hear nobody talking about what's fair and unfair. 10-1, and one, the only loss you had was to the number one USC Trojans, and you don't get to go to a, a BCS bowl game. So just chalk that out the window. We know how it works. Yeah, I can only imagine. I <laughs> was hurt during that time just as a student. I can only imagine what it felt like being a player on that team because those teams, I mean – you talk about the NFL talent with Deshaun Jackson and Marshawn Lynch and Javid. I mean, all the talent that was there when I was going there and to not even get to a Rose Bowl. Anyways, let's not go back down that path, though. I'm sure it's harder for you than it is for me. Let's move on to the NFL. We've got a little bit of a time crunch, so this is going to be a shorter podcast than usual. So we're going to do a rapid fire. What I'm going to do is, does this tell you more about A or B? And let's start with Thursday Night Football. The Colts smack up the Titans, and I've been hard on the Titans all year long. I'm going to be hard on them again. To me, this told me more about the Titans than it did about the Colts. The Colts moved to 6-3. and three. The Titans also 6-3. and three. That AFC South, a little bit tight. But I walked out of that going, the Titans are just not for real. It seems like they have the pieces. They even have Brown as a solid wide receiver, and they have you know Tannehill and Derrick Henry, and the defense seems to be good enough. I'm a believer in Vrabel, but... Walking out of that game, 34-17, it did not tell me that I believe in the Colts and Phillip Rivers. It told me, it just reassured me more that I should not believe in the Titans and Ryan Tannehill and co. Well, I I never judge teams on short weeks. Thursday games is hard to judge a team on because you don't have a full week and it's later in the season. And so it's, it's always hard to play a Thursday night game. And that's why a lot of those games end up being blowouts anyway, probably if you really look at them. When's the last time you really saw a really good Thursday game. One team normally is just way more prepared or more healthy and they come out and play. So it's hard for me to tell you either way, which team is better. I still have faith in the Tennessee Titans. I've just seen them play. I've seen their people count them out and they find ways to 
get into the playoffs and then win some playoff games by the way they play, especially when it gets colder as we approach December and January. And so it just shows me that the coach could play with a, a top tier team. And obviously when it started going, they really got it going and was able to put up points and just take care of them early. When you say you're not a believer in the Titans, Zachariah, what, like you mean you, you were thinking they might be a Super Bowl contender and now you don't believe that? Or what's the threshold for you in saying you believe or don't believe? Yeah, I mean, this is a team that got to the AFC Championship against the Chiefs and was up big in that game and ended up losing it. So, yeah, I'm talking about them being a Super Bowl contender because they looked every bit of the part last year with Tannehill coming on with that running game with Henry. That defense has been good enough. Their wide receiver core, I mean, they just seemed like a pretender to me. A lot of people talk about them as being contenders, as being Super Bowl contenders, and to me, they're right there. They're going to make the playoffs. They might make a little noise in the playoffs, but they're never going to be that team that actually gets over the hump and wins it. I'm with you on that, and that's why I wanted you to qualify because I think they're one of these teams that's going to be a problem in the AFC for everyone else. Like They might be the bad matchup for you that keeps you from attaining the goals that you want, but as long as the man named Ryan Tannehill is taking snaps for you, that guy is not the one who's going to get you to the promised land. And I know that people believe in Brable, and they say, oh, but you got Derrick Henry, so you can hide some of the warts. And all that's true, but when it comes down to AFC Championship, when it comes down to Super Bowl, you have to have an elite quarterback in the NFL if you want to win those games now, and they don't. Yeah, but Tannehill's doing everything that they're asking for. There's just something missing. I can't explain it, but let's go. Rapid fire, Jaguars, Packers. This game was 24-20, to 20, and once again, I ask you, we'll start with Zoe. Does this tell you more about the Packers or the Jaguars? For me, this told me more about the Packers only winning by four. I know every game in the NFL is tough, but the Packers, <laughs> I, I know you're going to laugh at me. I know you're going to laugh at me, Zoe, but, but this oh, told me, I, I, hey, hey, I'm going to let you go in a second, Zoe, okay? But 24-20, the Packers, other than the Super Bowl that they won however many years back, they've had a lot of playoff failure. A lot of it's come against the 49ers, but they've always seemed to come up short. And watching this game, and I know you say you want everybody to just blow everybody out. Yes, the Packers should have won 50 to nothing. <laughs> 24 to 20 is unacceptable. This told me more that the Packers are a pretender rather than a contender. Go ahead, Zoe. Make fun of me like you always do. I mean, yeah. I mean, they beat the people that stand in front of them. 24-20. I mean, we saw the Giants take Tampa Bay Bucks to the brink. The Giants oh, yeah, are yeah. trash. And this is when we think Tampa Bay is one of the best teams in the NFC, right? So, I mean, it, it happens. It's hard to win every week and blow teams out. The margin of error in winning in an NFL game is one score. The Green Bay Packers went out and did it. Now, if you have a couple of turnovers, this game may, becomes a little closer, and the Jaguars actually won the turnover battle. So you can't always just walk into a game and just think, okay, they got this great MVP, maybe one of the GOATs of all time, versus this team that's one in seven at the time, and so it should just be a blowout. No, it doesn't work like that. You have to earn it every single week. Earn the right. And so it only takes a couple of guys to make a play or somebody fumble a ball and then a team is back in it. But at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers was able to find a way to win this game. And so that's what you want to see. It's hard to get up for games versus the Jaguars. Nobody in the stands. I'm playing the Jaguars. All right, let's go out here and get this thing done and so we can get home. 24 to 20, did our job. We good to go. Let's move on to the next. 72, baby. I don't know how many times I need to have the conversation with you that style points are for college football. That's not a necessary thing in the NFL. A win 
is a win. It doesn't always have to be pretty. This one wasn't. But Green Bay Packers are still a Super Bowl contender. All right, I'm going to post this podcast, and I'm going to put the I, – I forgot to put the poll up. I think the way I'm going to phrase it is, does it hurt more if your team goes – one in 15, or if they lose in the Super Bowl when they had a lead in the fourth quarter. Which one hurts more? That's how I'm going to phrase it. And then the next one I'll do is, are you disappointed with your team if they barely beat a really bad team? I'm going to put those two polls up. We'll see. Hold we'll on. See no. First of all. Week. Oh, God. No, come you, on. Let me move on. Let me move on. No, no, no. <laughs> right, right. You can't move the goalpost. You can't change the wording on that first question because the – the argument is, would you rather be a Super Bowl losing team or a 1-15 right. team? Not what hurts more, because what hurts more is very obviously okay. losing. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I got my politician on. I tried to you know, I tried to word it in my favor. All right, I'll, look, I'll text it to you before I post the poll, and then I'll post it. All right, let's move on. Zoe, you touched on the Giants pushing the Buccaneers to the brink. They beat the Eagles 27-17. to My takeaway Less about the Eagles. I think the Eagles situation is bad all the way around. And ironically, the two biggest parts that I think that goes into winning in football is your quarterback and your coach. I don't think those two things are the problem. I think there's problems all the way around there. But I walked away from this more feeling a little good for the New York Giants. Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman are two people that are very easy to make fun of because they're old school, grind it out, no one's going to work harder than us, blah, 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 and the results haven't really been there. And Daniel Jones was a guy that nobody thought was going to go that high in the draft. But I walked away from that saying, the Giants will be your pathetic NFC East champions. And I say, does it even matter? Who cares? <laughs> I mean, what does true. it tell you? Are two bad Fair teams enough. winning? Yes, okay, they won. So you're leading the division at... Three and five, right? Three no, they're three, not three, even. Five one. Right. No, the Eagles are three, the, the five, Eagle, one. Yeah, the, the Eagles Jets, with the loss. The, the Giants so are number two, three, seven. No, man, who, who even cares? <laughs> it don't even matter. They're going to be out in the first round. Get in there and get out. I'm just so saying. I'm, they're, they're I'm doing, like, it don't tell me nothing. They're doing their thing without their best player, Saquon Barkley. I'm just saying a little tip to the cap to Dave Gettleman and Joe uh, Judge is all I'm saying. Okay, great. I mean, I, and I get it. They beat them. Good game between two bad teams. So it, it actually looked like it played well. But it doesn't even really matter because whoever wins that is going to probably have a losing record getting in. I, it's not quite guaranteed yet, but it's pretty much guaranteed. It's looking like it. <laughs> I'm just embarrassed that you even brought this game up on a on a cast where we have limited time. Like this okay, is all right, <laughs> fair enough. I just want to, look. I love making fun of. Is that fats in the background? No. Oh, okay. What was that? Anyways, yeah. I mean, I just wanted to give a little shout out to them because they get so much flack and they get made fun of all the time. But a huge win for them in that pathetic division. All right, Buccaneers, Panthers. I don't know what the record is that Tom Brady has coming off of a loss, but every time you try to count the guy down. And Zoe said in the last cast that the Panthers are better than you think. And I agree with him. Bridgewater has looked better than just like the best backup that you can have. He's looked like a formidable starter. But the Buccaneers just mop up on the Panthers 46 to 23. Do you have them, either OC or Zoe, either of you guys can go? Do you have them as your NFC favorite? Um, right now, I must have to say, I don't even know. I mean, because I, I love the Saints too, the way they've been playing. Brees has got to collapse lung, though, Zoe. Yeah, I mean, if you, but that's – we're talking about playoffs. They're going to the playoffs. We're talking about coming out of the NFC. 
Yeah. You're talking about a collapsed lung right now. That's not going to impact him in the playoffs unless he just throws his whole rhythm off and it doesn't, he's not able to recover. But I don't see that. For a minute, you want to say, you know, the Seattle Seahawks, their defense sucks. Green Bay, their defense isn't that great either. So they're the, probably the most complete team. And then you, I have to factor in the Saints as well, you know, obviously pending what Breeze gets back to after his injury. But they're the most complete team. They Obviously, they've lost ugly. They've had some bad losses. But when they're hitting all cylinders, if they go into the playoffs playing the way we know they're capable of, yeah, hands down. I mean, because they have a great offense, a great defense, and then they got coordinators that know how to utilize the pieces that they have. And so if they're hitting on all cylinders, there's really no way really stopping them. They're going to steamroll folks. I mean, this is as close to a super team as you get in the NFL, right? right. You, you know, how many Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers, are there on this football team? This is the window. Tampa Bay is not going to be a factor four years from now, three years from now. They might not even be a factor next year. But I, I think that the mastermind design is finally coming together, and I think they've got the best chance in the NFC of – at least representing in the Super Bowl, but golly, they're going to run up against another buzzsaw from Kansas City. If I'm telling you that I don't believe in the Packers and then you go to the NFC West where everybody's 6-3 and three other than the Niners to, and, and we're throwing out the NFC East, and then you look at, I mean, what do you got? You got the Saints, and who knows what's going to happen with Breeze. I, I saw one of the former quarterbacks on ESPN talk about he had the same sort of rib injury and he thinks he's going to be out like six weeks. He doesn't even think he's ever going to be right. So it looks like the Bucks are the favorites as much as I hate Tom Brady and hate to say that. All right, so does this tell you more about A or B? Broncos and Raiders. Raiders win 37-12. to 12. This actually told me more about the Broncos just not really being a good team. Drew Locke probably not being the answer for the future for the Broncos than it did about the Raiders being, I mean, they moved to six and three, but the Raiders continue to me to be one of those middle teams. I wouldn't be surprised if they made the playoffs, especially with them expanding the amount of wild card entries that get in. So I could see them making the playoffs, but making noise or even winning a playoff game. I can't really see. So I don't know how much you saw of the Raiders and Broncos, but what'd you make of that game? No, I didn't watch much. Don't care to talk about it because it's one of those games that, you know, really doesn't matter. Neither <laughs> You're one of these a former teams Raiders, are. I mean, I can be honest, right? Neither yeah. one of these teams are, are going to make any push, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I think the Raiders are obviously better than the Broncos, but it's not like anybody's expecting them to win anything. So it doesn't tell me that they're a contender. So it just it's like another meh, meh game. Eh. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually probably like what the Raiders are doing a little bit more than Zoe does or more than you do right now. But this is not the year. Maybe next year for the Raiders, if they can uh, – continue to add threats in their receiving core and if they can bolster that defense a little bit. But uh, I, I like the way some of the pieces are coming together for them. Their running game looks better than it did. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's an improving squad, but not one that's going to be a huge factor this year. All right, rapid fire. We got about 12 minutes to go before Zoe's got to go. So let's rip through these Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. They win 29-21. to 21. This was the rookie quarterback matchup. There were some articles coming out. Did the Dolphins make a mistake drafting Tua Tonga-Valoa over Herbert? Because Herbert has looked so good for the Chargers. But what he has not done is get Ws. The Dolphins win 29-21. to 21. Again, this game was less about Tua than it was about what Flores is doing. The defense and the special teams, it's almost like every week. I swear to God, Zoe was joking about it last week. But there's a blocked punt or a strip sack 
fumble recovery. There's a, an interception. They're not asking Tua to do much, but the Dolphins have won five straight. They're at six and three, and I walked out of that game going, look, if Tua, if they're only going to ask Tua to do that much, uh, there might be times where they're going to ask Tua to do more, and he did a little bit more in the game before where he had to, you know, he actually had to battle back against Kyler Murray and beat the Cardinals. But in this game, it, it wasn't much. He threw two touchdowns, but they didn't ask Tua to do much. And once again, I walk out of this game going, the Dolphins fandom might be thrilled that they have what they think is their franchise quarterback, but possibly more importantly, they have the coaching staff in place that could be there for a long time. You could talk about Belichick versus Brady, blah, 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 all you want. I'm sure Brady wouldn't have gotten there without Belichick, and Belichick probably wouldn't have done as much without Brady either. But I feel like the coaching staff in place, Dolphins fans can feel really good about that. Zoe, what'd you make of that game? Yeah, I would I would agree with you on that. I mean, I think this tells you more about uh, Miami. I mean, the Chargers just haven't had it this year, obviously playing with a rookie quarterback and, and have lost a lot of close games, games like this. In fact, I think we talked about it on the prior podcast too, is just as far as them losing close ones and not being able to get over the hump. But you see Miami still balling out, led by their defense, special teams, all those type of things that's going to allow a guy like Tua to come in, not feel all the pressure, and be able to execute and just manage games right now And as he develops and grows. And so I was talking to somebody earlier before I jumped on the podcast with you while I was late, was saying Miami is going to be the contender of the AFC East. I don't know about this year, but next year is definitely going to be as far as them in Buffalo competing every year for it. And it'll be interesting to see when this game comes up in the future to see what the kind of the, the barometer is of Miami right now and as far as can they compete with somebody that's probably a year or two in front of them as far as the rebuilding stage. But to your point, Brian Flores has done a great job as far as just creating that culture and environment conducive to winning games. And uh, I look forward to see what they're able to do, especially behind that defense. I think that this game was a good example if you look at the rosters, right, both rookie quarterbacks, comparable talent in a lot of other areas, and this game shows you the importance still at the NFL level of having the right coaching staff, the right culture, the right fit. Very clearly, the Los Angeles Chargers don't have that right now, and I'm with you, Zachariah. I think that Miami maybe has found the guy that's going to get the most out of his Miami Dolphins. And other than that, these teams are pretty well put together in terms of you know, matching up nicely with one another. I feel for everyone in L.A. right now because Justin Herbert is the answer at the quarterback spot. You have a couple of – well, you probably need to improve your running back room. You have a couple of really talented wide receivers. Your defense can always get better, but there's not really serious problems when it comes to the talent there. It's just, man, you don't have the right people at the top getting the most out of this roster. So Miami does. L.A. doesn't. That's the thing you learn from a game like this. Yeah, well, I don't mean to go hyperbole here. And Lorenzo Alexander, no racism here because I'm comparing black on black. But I get a Mike Tomlin feel from Brian Flores. No nonsense. Very disciplined. There's not a lot of, you know, a lot of coaches can sell that they're this narrative of the hoorah and the camaraderie and coming together or whatever. But it, you can oftentimes see through that and... I get a genuine feel from him like I do from Tomlin. When Tomlin does press conferences, he's in and out. Like, he wants to go there and do – but he, he wants to get to work. And Flores is kind of like the same deal to me, whether it's a win or a loss. It's about going back and getting better. And I just feel 
I feel better about the coaching situation in Miami than I do about the quarterback situation. But big win for the Dolphins, which brings us, or brings the Dolphins, not us, didn't play for them, not part of the organization, but I do that us thing because that's my squad. Uh, a half game behind hashtag Bills Mafia. The Bills lose a heartbreaker. Before we get into the actual game, though, I just want to ask you, have you ever been a part, because I can only imagine, you grind that hard, for 60 minutes, Josh Allen, while he tried to throw the game away a couple of times, we'll talk about him in a second, but he made an amazing throw to get the go-ahead score, and then you lose on a Hail Mary, which I'm assuming you practice all the time, all week. No, you don't. You, no, don't, you, practice, don't. you don't practice for Hail Marys? You don't practice all the time, all week, because that play doesn't happen all the time, every game, all game. So you give it probably five minutes you go over all your Hail Mary packages the different ways based on how far they away from the end zone uh, you normally do that on Saturday walkthrough as far as going over your packages um, before you bring it up and that's about it but you, so I mean, just you don't once practice a week? something that you that doesn't happen just yes, once a most week? teams do it probably once a week you don't, you don't practice something that that doesn't happen every week well also it makes sense. Well, I, yeah, I, I understand that, but I thought just from I mean, again, I only played freshman football yeah, with you. Yeah, exactly. We, no, but I I remember doing that at least once. A, you're right that it's only a couple of minutes out of the practice, but I remember doing it every day. Maybe I'm wrong, but it wasn't yeah, even the what, what NFL team did you play for? I know I you just said it, but this freshman football when you came oh, down from varsity and steamrolled yeah. Piedmont. No, so look, that's not, that's what okay. we did. We okay. practiced it every day. I, I remember doing it at least once every practice just at the end. You're right that it wasn't for a, a long period of time, but I remember doing it every practice just to practice for it. But I go back to say it wasn't even the Bills' defensive scheme's fault. They had three guys there. DeAndre Hopkins is just that dude, and there wasn't anybody bigger or taller than him to get him out of the way, and he's got like – I think he has the second biggest hands in the league – and he just went up and got it. But have you been on the bad side or the good side of a, a Hail Murray, as they're calling it? Hail Murray? I, I've never been a part of a Hail Murray. I've only been part of like a last-minute field goal, like the triple overtime game versus SC when we beat them uh, at home back in, I think that was 03. But I've never been at – we've had teams try them, but they didn't, never were successful, or the, like the relay play. So I've never been a part of it, been close to getting like scoring, but no, never been a part of it. So it – and like you said, that play, you know, I call it lucky, but I also say that the talent of those guys made it possible when you think about Kyler Murray avoiding guys and then being able to throw that ball, a moon ball, you know, perfectly to where Hopkins was standing surrounded by three people. And then, you know, this guy just mistimed it. I mean, even in that play, you see, you have your, your three best DBs around him, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Tredavious White. And, Mike, and Jordan comes in there, Almost kamikaze trying to play the ball, but knocks Tredavious off. And then with Hopkins being Hopkins, just being able to secure the ball with nobody trying to rip it out. So it was a perfect storm for him to be able to catch that ball. But because he is so talented, gave it even an inkling of a shot for it to happen with as many guys that was around him. I mean, I didn't watch most of the game, but all of us got the highlight shoved down our throats over and over and over again. And that's one time where I was, like, happy to see it over and over and over again. Look. If you have one of those weapons and, like, it doesn't always make itself evident why that guy is so much more valuable to your team, plays like that. Hop going up and getting that ball that in another situation with another receiver maybe bounces on the turf and, you know, you don't get to capitalize. 
it's spectacular that dudes do that stuff, and it's a spectacular failure by Houston that you didn't get more back from that. <laughs> yeah, and I'll share something. I was actually at the game. I went to this game, so I was there live. And so it's probably a little too soon for me to go to a game, especially not being your traditional fan. But after, like, you talked about Josh Allen, right? March down, up scored. Whole stadium quiet. They obviously get in position to throw that catch, make the play. And my wife and everybody had, we had my jerseys on because I played for Bills. I was all in Bills gear, rooting for the Bills, of course. And one fan was like, Alexander, yeah, yeah. I had my kids around me. I looked dead in his eye because I was ready to fight him. I said, you better chill out. That boy shut it all the way back down, took his thing back like, like we had just won the game. But, uh, yeah, it was a little too soon for me. I should have probably started with a game. Versus a team where I could cheer for the Cardinals or went to a Bills home game. But I enjoyed it. The kids enjoyed it. We had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> if I was going to talk smack to a football player, I would focus on, like, the punter or the yeah. kicker. You know what I'm saying? Well, he, I, he, I, didn't I, know, he didn't know I played. I'm in oh, ready clothes. He think I'm a fan. Oh, he don't know. He don't oh. have a clue. <laughs> I stared yeah. him down. He knew, he knew something was up once, once I stared him down and told him to shut up. Yeah, awesome. yeah. All right, well, we I don't we mind got, you like, cheering. Just don't cheer at me. No, I hear you. I hear you. All right, we got a minute here. <laughs> Let's just finish up with the NFC West. The Rams beat the Seahawks 23 to 16. The Saints beat the Niners 27 to 13. It's a log jam in the NFC West with the Seahawks, Rams, and the Cardinals all at six and three now. Zoe, what do you make of that division? You've been talking yeah. about how good it is, and now they're all six and three, which is not the best record in the world, but it's probably right. a factor of how good the conference is. Yeah, no, it's really good. And I mean, I mean, if the Niners weren't so banged up, they'd be right there in the mix too. I mean, you have four teams that would be competing, you know, for first place right now. But from top to bottom, when we think about those three teams, they're all really good. But I think Seattle, just because the lack of defense that they have, I think is going to waver. And they may find themselves on the outside looking in, especially when we look over what's happening in the, in the NFC South with Tampa Bay and the Saints. So we'll see how that plays out. But the difference in these teams right now, I think, is will be the defense. I think the Rams play pretty solid defense and the Arizona Cardinals are starting to play better, too defensively getting healthy everybody's back pat p out there flying around drake or patrick so it's they're starting to look give me a guess so give me a guess on who you'd give the edge to in terms of uh, i'm going to go with uh the arizona cardinals because kyler murray is is an x factor and then their defense is starting to play better so yeah the arizona and they play them uh this week you know thursday night football so that's going to be a real telltale sign if they're able to beat the seattle in seattle and really take a hold over this division I still think it's going to be Seattle. I kind of strange to see them flounder a little bit, but what they've got and it is I'll say it as and anytime we bring up the Seahawks, the fact that their defense is not playing well is just mind-boggling to me. But they got Russ, who's an X factor, they got DK who's an X factor, Pete Carroll knows how to win. So I think that maybe Arizona's a year or two away from really capitalizing on the full strength of what Kyler Murray and and that that roster can be. So I think Seattle still gets it this year. But it's going to be fun to watch it all play out. At Real OC Sports on Twitter, at One Man Gang 97, at Zach Sports, Z-A-K Sports. And then, of course, the podcast as a whole, at 2Zs OC. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Happy health to everybody. Hopefully Pac-12 gets their stuff together. Everybody else gets their stuff together. Until next time, for OC and Lorenzo Alexander, I'm Zachariah. Holla! Later. All right, fellas. Well done. See you. Yeah.